As a church, we're working through a series um, on the Holy Spirit. We've been doing it for the last six, seven weeks or so. Um, and each each week, we've been looking at different aspects. Um, and essentially, every week, what we've been doing is we've been breaking it down um, into three different chunks, three different sections, if you like. Um, we've been looking at... Um, uh, hold on a sec. Unfortunately, we don't have the Britney mic today, unfortunately. Um, so I'm on the handheld, but no, no, no dramas. Um, so we've been looking each week at an aspect of the Holy Spirit, and what we've been doing is the first five minutes, we just have five um, key facts that, um, as believers, we need to understand about the Holy Spirit, um, because very often we come with a lot of, uh, if you like, um, kind of stuff that clouds our mind um, and can kind of, if you like, cloud what we're actually trying to look at. And so we're starting with those five key things, the same five Five things every week. Um, and then we're looking at um, one particular passage every single week. Um, and out of that passage, what we're doing is we're looking at different aspects about what the Bible um, says about the Holy Spirit and um, the role of uh, the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, and then off the back of that, then looking um, at how we then apply that into our life. Now, this week's going to be a little bit unusual, um, where I'm going to be doing the first two sections. Um, so looking at those five principles, looking at um, the introduction of what the Bible says. Um, and then my good friend Alice is going to come and uh, pick up with the uh, third uh, section for us. Um, So first of all, I'm going to pray and then we'll uh, crack on. Lord, we thank you that you are here uh, by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that you come and you reveal truth to us. And uh, we pray that this afternoon as we look at your word, Lord, that you would be revealing truth to us, speaking into our hearts, Lord, and convicting, of, uh, convicting us of areas that we need conviction, Lord, and revealing stuff um, in our own hearts that, Lord, we can um, come and submit ourselves more fully and more wholly to you. And, Lord, we pray that this afternoon your word would um, speak right into the depths of our soul, Lord, into our situations and transform us um, by your power and by your glory. Amen. Amen. So let's start quickly then with the first, uh, with the five things. Um, so the first thing, the first key fact, if you like, that we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. It's very often in churches we talk about, um, the Holy Spirit is almost like this, this force or, or, or energy or something that kind of moves. And the Bible does use illustrations to describe, um, if you like, the work of the Holy Spirit. But actually the Holy Spirit very much is a person. Um, when we use illustrations, we try and represent something that's happening um, but very often they prove to be inadequate and in that case that, that, that's exactly what happens, it doesn't give us the complete picture the Holy Spirit is the third person of God, the Holy Spirit is a part of the Godhead in the same way that God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and we have to hold that centrally um, as believers as we look at this subject and not kind of see it as almost an add-on or, or a bolt-on or, or a little bit of an extra um, on the side um, Second of all, the second point that we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit comes to mediate the presence of the Father and the Son to us. So obviously, so his role um, in our lives is actually to reveal Jesus and God the Father to us. Um, and in doing that, obviously takes something of the attention away from himself and points to, um, if you like, God the Father and God the Son. And so in that, we can see that, it, that there's a diversion of attention there, um, which is probably why the church historically has left 
something of the Holy Spirit to the side a little bit and seen it as a bit of an uh, add-on. And third of all, um, that the gospel makes a way um, for the coming of the Spirit, for the coming of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus' death on the cross, when Jesus died, rose again and ascended into heaven. The Bible says that he sent the Spirit to earth to equip us, and we'll look at a couple of verses later on about that. Um, But he sent the Spirit um, to us to reveal God, to, to, to work in our hearts so that actually he would provide for us a counsellor, um, somebody that would lead us, somebody that would uh, guide us, somebody that would help us, somebody that would equip us with all that we need um, in this life. Um, and then fourthly, um, we must understand that the church is in desperate need of the presence of God. And God's, God's, God's primary method of revealing himself is through his Holy Spirit. The church is in desperate need of the Holy Spirit's presence amongst us. Um, the the, the, the Bible is really clear on that. Otherwise, we're just like an empty house. We, we have all of the stuff in place. We've got the front door. We've got the lounge. We've got the kitchen. We've got everything we need. But unless the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us as a church and abides in us, the, word, the Bible uses that word, um, then, then, then actually it's like a house with nobody home um, and so we we as a church and we should as a church broader than just Revelation Church be hungering for the presence of the Holy Spirit amongst us um, and then fifthly um, that actually we have to uh, if you like uh, participate in this whole process we have to um, believe um, in faith for what God has promised through his Holy Spirit that actually as believers we need to come and incline our hearts in faith and make ourselves available make ourselves open open to receive um, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit and we as believers need to be in a, a, a position of receiving that gift and opening our hearts and giving him full access to every area of our life. And that's a matter of faith. That's a matter of saying, do you know what, I'm going to believe that God is good, that God is for me and in doing that I'm going to op- open up every aspect of my life um, to him. Um, and so today uh, we're going to be looking primarily at essentially in- intentional prayer for the Holy Spirit. Um, so we're looking at Acts 2. We've been looking at Acts 2 um, for this whole series so far. Uh, it should come up on the uh, screen behind me. There we go. Um, a little bit fuzzy. Um, but uh, yeah, so from verse 37, just a couple of verses. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter um, and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Um, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and so what's happened here let me just fill you in on the story with where we're up to Um, so Jesus has died on the cross for the sins of the world he's been resurrected again he's just been taken up into heaven um, and essentially he's told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit Um, and then what happens is they're praying one night and then what seems like a rushing wind sweeps through the room that they're in um, and what appears as tongues of fire resting on different people um, and you have this uh, incredible demonstration of the presence of God really Um, and then off the back of it um, men are convicted and cut to the heart and Peter stands up and preaches the gospel um, and basically says exactly what's happened and if you like um, adds uh, substance um, and actually substantiates some 
something of what Jesus has just done um, in the weeks previously. And so we now arrive at this point uh, towards the end of Peter's message, really. And these guys are saying now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. So there's something that's happened in their heart, and now there's a response that's come. And right at the end uh, of that passage there, we're going to be looking at, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, So we've essentially been basing out of these two verses, and each week uh, we've been looking at a different aspect out of these verses and then tracing that. Um, If you wanted to do more uh, work around these passages, then I would absolutely advocate uh, downloading those um, and listening to the entire series. Um, But let me just share a little bit um, about my story. Um, So I grew up in a church that's very similar to this. I went to all the Bible camps. I was very familiar um, with things of, uh, with uh, churches, I guess, well, many of us here will know it. Um, And it wasn't particularly unusual for me. um, But I can remember as a teenager, whenever I was in meetings where people would begin to pray that the Holy Spirit would come and the Holy Spirit would come and fill people, um, there was something in me that just started to get a bit agitated Um, and actually I can remember on several occasions I would just leave the room Um, and there was two reasons for that I think primarily I think God was starting to deal with something of my heart in terms of the priorities Um, and second of all I don't think I properly understood what it meant for believers to pray for the Holy Spirit to come for me to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think that's, that for me was something that I just didn't get it. And so I need, so I just had to remove myself and would often walk out of meetings, um, and things like that. Um, but it's really important that we don't limit ourselves to just our experience or what we've seen. Um, and actually it's only in subsequent years through further kind of looking at the Bible and things like that, that actually I've come to a place, regardless of, of what I don't understand, here's what I do know. I know that God has come and that he has, um, that I will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and that he is good and that he is perfect and he comes to lead me in ways of righteousness. And so out of that, um, my 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 my, my my thinking has to change. I have to all of a sudden submit to scripture and say, do you know what, I'm going to believe the Bible and what the Bible says rather than what I've experienced or what I might find a little bit odd and a little bit out there. Um, And we must do that as a church. We must submit ourselves to scripture. Um, And so what do we mean when we're talking, uh, I guess primarily in this case, um, about praying to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, I think as believers, we're talking about primarily um, intentional prayer to receive the Holy Spirit. Um, And that's exactly what Peter says, that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, And so uh, at this point, we might think that kind of after forgiveness, um, we then uh, we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The way that happens is if you like in that last point of the of the five key points really that we must action it by faith we must appropriate it by faith um and so um historically what's happened is over the years we found that Christians have tended to fall into one or two camps on this um, in terms of praying for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, One being that Christians are to some extent incomplete uh, when they first put their trust in Jesus until um, that moment happens, until they receive the Holy Spirit. Um, And then second of all, um, that Christians are made complete when they put their trust in Jesus, 
And so therefore there's no more need to be praying for the Holy Spirit. Do you see what I mean? And so you've got these two kind of opposite camps. And there's the, the, the reality is that actually both are true. Um, that actually when we became a Christian, we did receive the Holy Spirit. Um, but actually as we go on walking the Christian life, we do need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. That actually the Holy Spirit comes to guide and to counsel and to lead. And if, if, if you think about it, if we're walking... Um, in that then very often leading somebody you don't just point them in a direction and then just let them go you point them in the direction and then if you're leading somebody you walk with them to that place you take them there and that's very much um, how we should view the Holy Spirit in terms of walking with leading us um, and taking us uh, with him Um, so what did, the, what did these guys understand by receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit? Um, well, if we have the next uh, slide, uh, there's a few verses. Uh, oh, I did highlight them in red, but that hasn't come out. Oh, not to worry. Um, you can? Oh, great. Well, it, it isn't. It, it's, it's, it's not as red as it was on my PowerPoint, but not to worry. Um, uh, but essentially, if we look through the book of Acts, then we see instances where um, occasions happen and um, people then pray for the Holy Spirit to come. And so very quickly, if we just have a look, Acts 8, um, in verse 17, right at the end there, and then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Um, Acts 9, verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him um, this is this is uh, Saul at the time um, and then Acts 19 and when Paul had laid his hands on them and so we see this pattern that receiving the spirit there was this almost that like believers would come and lay hands on people to receive the spirit um, and that seems to be a fairly common practice um, it, it, there's other times where um, in the New Testament where they talk about laying on of hands um, and then if we uh, just flick on to the next side um, just if we thought we had it all sewn up um, there are also instances that we find in scripture where actually um, people receive the spirit without the laying out of hands um, and this, this passage from Acts 10 um, is about a guy that was um, a Gentile so he wasn't part of uh, the Jewish community um, who would have uh, known and understood um, something of the gospel at that time um, and, uh, where are, and so here we are and the believers from among uh, the circumstances that was the Jewish people who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And so there's, there, nobody laid hands on them, um, nobody did anything, um, but they seemingly put their trust in Jesus um, of, um, and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so actually, although, although very often we see it as being, um, as being mediated, if you like, through the laying on of hands by believers, actually that's not always the case. That Actually, the Spirit comes, um, and to some extent, I think it's probably God just reminding us who's in control. Um, that very often we can get quite formulaic in our thinking, that actually think, oh, if I do this, 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 and this, then this will happen. Um, and I think actually God doesn't work like that. <laughs> Um, God, God, God is sovereign over all things. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He sustains the universe by His powerful Word, um, and He doesn't fit into, if you like, um, our formulas or our structure or our understanding. He makes Himself known to us, um, but actually, um, even within our lives, He has complete freedom um, to speak in um, and to and fill and bring the gift of the Holy Spirit um, to us uh, and, re- and wherever we are. Um, and so that's. Uh, 
That's where we are. And then so if we jump back to then Acts 2, uh, well, actually, in this passage, um, Peter doesn't say, um, for the forgiveness of your sins, and then we'll lay hands on you and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Right? He doesn't say that because it's not a formula, because in the same way, Peter doesn't see it as being um, that's the process to do. But what we do see is um, forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not you might or that it, it could happen or later on. No, he says you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, and there's a really kind of definite assurance that he's bringing in that instance um, that actually as we, as we are forgiven of our sins, we put our trust in Jesus, actually we can be absolutely sure and convinced that, the, that God will give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will come to us and abide in us, that he will come and make himself known to us. At this point, I'd love us to um, turn to Luke 11, verses 5 uh, to 13. This is a slightly longer passage, um, so uh, I will read it very quickly. There's a couple of things that I have highlighted in red, if you haven't spotted them already, um, and we'll just hover over these um, as we read it. And he said to them, which of you um, has a friend, which of you will go to him, uh, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Impudence just means essentially relentless asking um, because of his sheer audacity to come in the middle of the night and ask for food because really the cheek of it that the guy would come and ask him um, then he will actually give him food then he will uh, get up and not necessarily because he's his friend but because of his relentless asking Um, and then uh, and I tell you um, ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened what father among you if his son asks for a fish will instead of a fish give him a servant or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him how much more will our heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him because of our impudence our focus in this passage shouldn't be on the person that's in the house our focus in this passage should be the person asking the person coming to seek for what he needs for what he wants and very very clearly we can see that actually um, we are to adopt, if you like, an attitude of impudence um, when asking for the Holy Spirit, when seeking God to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then what, 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 what absolute, absolute assurance that how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we can have absolute confidence that God will do it. And God gives us the Holy Spirit to equip us for everything that we need. So actually, even in our need, where we need the Holy Spirit to come and meet that need, um, he will do it. Whether that's for guidance at work, maybe it's for wise counsel, or for comfort, for boldness, maybe for power to speak out, um, or pray for the sick, for transformation um, to come, um, maybe even just for faith, or maybe for forgiveness. 
And if we um, just have a quick look over it, if this wasn't quite explicit enough, if we turn to um, John 14, verse 13 and 14, um, just the first couple of verses, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Right? So if we come and ask to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, he will do it. We've just seen in Acts 2 that that's exactly the, 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 if you like, Peter's explanations, that for the forgiveness of sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we can have absolute confidence that when we come and pray for the Holy Spirit, um, then he will do it. And more than that, Jesus then goes on to the next couple of verses. If you... There we are. If you love me, so from verse 15, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. If that wasn't enough, Jesus prays for us that we would receive the Holy Spirit. What confidence, what assurance that we can have. So all of a sudden, what we're starting to understand is all of a sudden we haven't got to wrestle with this thing theologically. We haven't got to try and figure it all out and work it all out. Actually, we can start to live it out. Since Peter preached that sermon in Acts 2 that we looked at, we now live in what we call the age of the Spirit, where the Holy Spirit has been given to the body. And now actually we can, we can ask um, to receive that gift uh, from him. Um, and so at this stage I'm going to ask Alice uh, up, who I'm going to hand over, um, and she, I'm just going to pray for her quickly, uh, and then she's going to pick up from this point. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Alice, Lord. We just pray that you would mightily use her um, in these next 15 minutes or so, Lord, and that you would uh, delight to demonstrate your glory in and through her, Lord Jesus, and that you would be speaking um, into the depths of our heart, Lord Jesus, and you would be um, convicting us of areas um, that you want to highlight and areas that uh, you want to transform us and seek uh, your kingdom to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Good old-fashioned paper. God is good. Amen. Amen. So we've heard from Rich that the Holy Spirit fell in power in the book of Acts on the people and he gave us, God has given us this gift of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And this gift, when we look at it and when we look at him, is incredible. We have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the living presence of the living God inside of us. It's absolutely mind-blowing that the, that the creator of the universe would live inside of us by his spirit. And when we, in light of the magnitude of his magnificence, how much um, reason do we have just to fan into flame this power that's inside of us? And one way we can do that is through prayer. So I'm going to look at a passage in Romans that talks about um, the Spirit praying with us in, in prayer and praying through us. Um, just keep your eyes out for um, the word groan because it appears a few times here. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pain of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For, for who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. 
In the same way, our spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. It's amazing. So verse 27 really unlocked it for me and helped me understand the rest of it because it's saying he who searches our hearts, that's the Father who, who's looking upon us and searching our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit, the Son and the Father are one. They're united. And the Spirit intercedes for the saints. So we have the Spirit living inside of us when we give our lives to Christ, praying through us and for us. Interceding means praying, and He's praying through us to the Father who's looking upon us. And later on in this passage, it's saying Jesus is also praying for us. So we have the Jesus praying for us, we have the Holy Spirit praying for it through us, and with the Father looking upon us, we're brought into this magnificent presence of the united um, communion of God. It's, it's incredible. Um, but I'm going to focus on verse 26, and I'm going to look at three different things um, that are brought out here and just unpack it a bit. So it's talking about our weakness. So it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, prayer can be hard. If it was easy, we'd probably do it all the time. And some people, maybe maybe you do do it all the time. And um, hallelujah if you do. <laughs> But um, I know that it's not always easy. Sometimes it's hard. We don't wake up in the morning and naturally feel like we just want to pray all day. Um, sometimes we do, not always. Um, and it can be hard, and it's mysterious. I know when I first became a Christian, I had no idea how to pray out loud. I just thought, I just don't even know where to start. And I even went to a, a class that sort of helps you just to open your mouth, pretty much, and then um, the prayer comes. But it's hard. It can be hard. And God knows that we are weak. He knows that we need his help, which is why he sent the Holy Spirit. And and he is here to help us. And from the day one of being a Christian, when you give your life to Jesus, it's a recognition that we are weak and he is really strong and we need him. And the Holy Spirit is our helper and he's here to help us to be strong in him, in our weaknesses. Um, and we still face we still face trials and suffering. So when when we give our lives to Christ, we're brought out of darkness into light. We are rescued and redeemed. But we still face trials and tribulation and suffering in this world, just like any other person. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us in those times. And um, yeah, just help us to pray in these times and help God to be our strength in in these weaknesses that we have. Now I want to look at groaning. So he says here, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Now what does that word mean? Some people um, interpret this as uh, speaking in tongues. So we, when we get given the gift of the Spirit, it means we can speak in tongues. And this is a good gift of the Spirit. This is All gifts of the Spirit are amazing. But this is a gift of the Spirit that is really good for us and it edifies us and it builds us up. But the gift of speaking in tongues is not for everybody. Not everyone can speak in tongues. And we know that the Holy Spirit is here to help every single one of us pray. So it can't be talking about the gift of tongues here and speaking in languages. The word can translate as to sigh, like when you sigh. And when you 
sigh, you express all of yourself. So there's something of your whole being that's being expressed. And as human beings, we are designed in the image of God, and we are so much more than words. And I know in our English culture, we can be pretty clever with words, and we can express ourselves really well. But we, we, we often fail to express ourselves through our bodies in words and uh, in through our bodies in our lang- in our body language and in in from the depths of our being and i feel like god wants us to express ourselves fully to him he wants us to give our all he doesn't want just words and this groaning is um is calling on us to express ourselves completely to god and you know when we're happy we lo- we jump and we laugh and we throw our hands in the air when we're angry we clench our fists we we're so much more than words and in fact toddlers are a great example of this if a toddler came in the room two-year-old they um if they were upset and they wanted to have a tantrum they would throw themselves on the floor and kick and scream everyone knows that right and if they're happy, if, if one of those kids right there in there walked in this room and they just were happy, you would know, not, they wouldn't have to say anything, but they would just be exuding happiness and joy and they could probably make every heart in this room melt because they're so gorgeous and they're so happy and they're expressing their joy. And we are the children of God and we should be able to freely express ourselves with God. That we, um, Steph spoke a few weeks ago on our adoption and how we can say Abba Father and we can have this intimacy with God and this boldness to go into the throne room of heaven and express ourselves fully to God. And we should have the freedom to be able to do that. Um, you know, when we're suffering, do we bring our pain to God? Do we express our depth, you know, the depths of our heart? Can we do that? Do we let him into that intimate place? The Psalms are so good at this. So David is excellent at expressing himself through the Psalms. Um, I don't know if Psalm 42 is up there, Rachel. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. There's a depth to us. There's an incredible depth to us. And there's an even bigger depth to God. And we um, should be able to be free to express, express the depth of our heart. You know, in the roar of your waterfalls, there's a, there's a loudness in the word roar. We should be able to cry out to God and let him into this intimate part. Do we trust him with the depths of our hearts? Um, there's this amazing passage I've been reading a bit about the outpouring of the spirit in LA at the beginning of the 20th century and this guy has this incredible experience in um, when he's praying and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit comes upon him and I just thought it's helpful for me to read this out um, we prayed for a spirit of revival for Pasadena until the burden became well nigh unbearable I cried out like a woman in birth pangs the spirit was interceding through us finally the burden left us after a little time of quiet waiting a great calm settled down upon us he seemed to stand directly between us so close we could have reached out our hand and touched him but we dare not move I could not even look in fact I seemed all spirit his presence seemed more real if possible than if I could have seen and touched him naturally I forgot I had eyes or ears. My spirit recognized him. A a heaven of divine love filled and thrilled my soul. Burning fire went through me. In fact, my whole being seemed to flow down before him like wax before the fire. I lost consciousness of time or space, being conscious only of his wonderful presence. I worshipped at his feet. It seemed a veritable mount of transfiguration. 
I was lost in the pure spirit. Wow. <laughs> Wouldn't we all like to have that experience? Um, there's just this intimacy and this um, communication between the two that it seems like there's, our spirit meets his spirit. His spirit met the spirit of the living God and we should be able to have that access um, and that communication. One set of people that are incredibly good at communicating is musicians. So the musicians here are incredible. They spend hours and hours and hours uh, learning their instrument and um, getting to know their instrument, how to use their instrument, how to communicate through their instruments. So musicians communicate emotions. They can communicate pain. They can communicate joy in the music. They communicate a language through music. Um, and how much more powerful is the Holy Spirit? How much more powerful is the Holy Spirit in, in communicating? And if musicians can, can communicate through music, how much more can the Holy Spirit communicate through us? And there's two challenges here. And one is, how much time are we letting God, um, are we giving God to allow us to train us in this gift of the Holy Spirit that we have? This is a sword of the Spirit. This is in Ephesians, it talks about a weapon of the sword of the Spirit. This is a gift of the Spirit. Do we know how to use this weapon? I find this really challenging. How many hours am I allowing him to train me? You know, prayer can bring down strongholds. Prayer can heal the sick. God uses prayer to heal the sick, to bring down strongholds. And I question myself, and I, you know, I, I'm challenged by this, that do we, uh, do we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us to how to, um, teach us how to pray? Teach us how to wield the sword of the Spirit that we have? Um, and, yeah, sometimes it's beyond our logical understanding. We don't always understand the spiritual implications of the physical things that we have to do. When Jesus came, he did physical things that were sometimes unusual. So, for example, he snorted before he raised Lazarus from the dead. We don't get that. We don't understand why he needed to snore. We don't know why he had to spit in the sand before he healed the blind man and rubbed the mud in his eyes. We don't understand the physical implications. But primarily, God is good, and we can trust him, and we can trust the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to bring us deeper into the presence of the Father. Um, there's also an engaging of our mind. So I'm not going to go too into uh, detail with it but in 1 Corinthians 14 14 Paul talks about engaging our mind we can pray with us um, we can we can pray but when we pray with our mind it's different can we just get that one up I think it's a, a few ones on um, if I pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful what shall I do I will pray with my spirit but I will also pray with my mind I will sing with my spirit but I will also sing with my mind. And there's an engaging, there's a turning of our hearts. I know sometimes I pray and I'm just praying the mountains in front of me and I'm not praying and opening up my heart to the mountain mover. I'm not asking him to come and help me to pray about these things. I'm just putting them in front of him. And that's good, but we can pray so much more effectively and powerfully if we let him come and equip us and help us with our prayers. Um, so there's some obstacles that can get in our way that stop us from being free in prayer. Um, and so I'm just going to look at a couple of them. One is, one is that we are sometimes lethargic spiritually. Sometimes I can get through a day, a really hard day, and I get to the end of the day and I'm like, oh, God, that was so hard. And then he, sa he says, I'm here. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, 
I haven't even, I haven't even spoken to you all day. I haven't even awakened the spirit in me to pray. You know, in the Psalms it says, awake on my soul. We should be, we should be praying in the morning and awaking ourselves and praising God and allowing Him in, in the morning to help us. Not giving Him a lion. <laughs> He'd like the spirit in us, not God obviously. Um, he's always alive and always good. Um, hard-heartedness. Sometimes we're hard-heartedness. Are we hard-hearted and we've got bitterness and unforgiveness? If any, if any of you have that in your hearts and you feel that's obstructing you from being able to f- pray f- freely, then I'd urge you to bring it to God. It's, it's a turning of your heart. And I know it's easy for me to say that standing up here if I don't have a hard heart right now, but I know what it feels like to have a hard heart and it's hard. And sometimes it feels like God is the last person in the world that you want to bring this pain to. But he's the only one that can heal you and he's the only one that can set you free and he will melt your heart and bring you into his presence. Um, and lastly, just suffering. If, if sometimes when we suffer so much, we don't know where to take our pain. We don't know how to communicate to God. Um, we just think this is so painful. I can't bring it to God. I just, I just want to hide it away. Um, but the Holy Spirit is here, as I said at the beginning, and he's here to help us and, he can reach you in that depth, depth of your heart, that deep, can call to deep if you let him help you and you can bring that pain and you can be set free from that pain and you can walk into all that he's got for you. Like I think Kit was um, praying earlier that God wants us to reign in life and, and reign gloriously and we can do that with the help of the Holy Spirit and we can't do it without him. Um, yeah, so I think Rich uh, wanted some time for response. Great. Um, well, why don't we all stand up? Um, I'd love us just to—I'd love us just to be still for a minute um, before God um, and open up our heart. Um, I think there's a lot of areas where uh, we can groan without realizing it, um, and I think there's certain things. Just as Alice was praying, even in a busy day, where actually the whole day you're crying out to God. Um, but actually you don't realize it until the end of the day and God just says I'm here Um, and I just feel like um, I just want to give a couple of minutes um, just for us to be able to search our own hearts um, and just uh, you know just almost check in and just say God what what are the areas where I need your spirit what are the areas where I need the gift of your Holy Spirit to come um, and equip me um, and equip me to do battle um, with what I'm facing with where I'm going with where you're taking me the journey you have me on um, so just, just while we're stood in this place, you may help, find it helpful to close your eyes. And you may find it helpful to lift your hands. Whatever you do, uh, just feel comfortable to open yourself up to God um, and just allow him to speak into your heart um, over this next minute or so. Lord Jesus, we just open our hearts to you. Lord, we just open ourselves up to you and just say, Lord, come and have your way. Lord, come and speak into the depths of who we are. Lord, come and speak into um, the identity. Lord, the things that we uh, try and define ourselves with. 
Lord, just come and speak into those areas, Lord, where we might try and block you out, or, um, Lord, we haven't given you complete access, Lord. We just pray that you would come, Lord, by the gift of your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would come um, and invade our hearts, um, invade our minds afresh. Um, and, uh, Lord, we do just want to say that we want to be given over to you completely and fully. Amen. I feel, I feel like there's an opportunity to pray for um, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, maybe you've not, um, maybe you've never experienced the gift of the Holy Spirit before. Maybe you've given your life to Jesus, um, you've trusted in Him, but you've never received the Holy Spirit before. Um, and uh, there's also people that I feel like you've almost been living um, half, half half empty tanks um, it's kind of like you just not you just not really you know it you know it in your head you've been a Christian a while and you know it in your head but you've just not kind of opened yourself up to God um, it's almost like you've been living with half measures um, and I just feel like God wants to come and fill you again um, and he just wants to bring revelation um, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he reveals the Father and the Son to us um, he reveals our identity as adopted children of God um, and he reveals the wonderful truth um, of who who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for us. Um, so I'd love the opportunity to pray for people. Um, we're going to go back into some uh, singing uh, now. If you would like to receive prayer, um, f- uh, particularly about one of those two things, um, unless Alice has got anything that you want to add. Yeah. Just as I was preparing for this earlier in the week, I had this picture of people just coming to the the river you know how in the book of um exodus the israelites come to the water and it's like they've got this um they've got the enemy behind them chasing them and they've got this vast water in front of them and it seems like there's no way out and i had this image of people coming to the water and the waters and just kneeling down in prayer and the waters parting before them and i feel like there's some people that may feel like they just don't know the way forward they don't have a clear path forward and they need to just come in prayer and god will part the way and he will come and bring a way through and so if you feel like that's you, then um, please do come forward for prayer. God's, God's just giving me something else. Um, I, the, the, I just feel like particularly there's, um, um, particularly around when I was talking about the whole formula thing, we often view God as a formula. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and you haven't. I just feel like there's issues of disappointment um, that God wants to deal with. Um, I feel like there's, there, there's certain issues where, uh, in your mind, God hasn't come through. In your mind, God hasn't done what he said he would um, and I just feel like God God wants you to begin to open your heart again um, where you've closed it off where you've just begun to shut him out um, God wants to God wants to just come um, and abide in you come and dwell in you by his Holy Spirit um, afresh um, and so so what we're going to do is um, if you would like to receive prayer for any of those things, um, I know there's a few things there, but if you would like to receive any prayer for any of those things, I mean, you will know what it is for each one of you. Something will just stick in your heart. Your heart will either start to beat a little bit faster um, or something will happen. Um, Alice and I um, are just going to be down the front. Um, and in this next period as we sing some songs, um, just come and find us down at the front. Um, and we'd love to pray with you. Um, we'd love to stand with you. And we'd love you to, we'd love you to receive the Holy Spirit.